All right, thank you very much. Can we do that again? Go ahead. No, I'm just kidding. My church doesn't do that when I go to preach. Take your Bibles today to John chapter 3. I'm so glad that Dr. Getch pumped you up with that announcement um, about um, going to class and um, getting kicked out of class and all that good stuff. You know, college education is the only thing that I can figure out in life that we pay for, but we get excited when we don't get it. And uh, we pay to go to class, we pay to get an education, and we're thrilled when the teacher cancels class or when we have to miss a class for something. And it is amazing to me. Maybe that in golf, all right? The less score you shoot, the better, right? If you play golf, if you are a golfer, but not much else in life. Normally we want more food, we want more uh, for our money. That's why we created Sam's and Costco and all those type of things. Um, and so, but uh, let me encourage you, go to class, all right? And it'll be a great help to you and, and your training and your ministry uh, there. Thank you for the music this morning. I love coming to campus and just hearing the music. I was able to be here for the leadership conference just a while ago. And just the music is always amazing. I'm, I'm assuming there's like a singing entrance exam to be a student here. I mean, everybody sings wonderfully. And I would have been kicked out during that process. But um, thank you so much for that. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here today. And Lord, I just pray that you would continue to bless West Coast Baptist College. I thank you for the small part that I can be here at this ministry. And, and Lord, what a privilege it is, uh, Lord, to serve along uh, these saints that are here. And Lord, to influence and impact, Lord, folks that want to serve you. And Lord, I thank you for it. I pray now as you look into your word, Lord, that you'd bless your preaching, the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. One of the greatest tragedies in the world today and really throughout history is the tragedy of, of spiritual blindness. Jesus came unto his own, people that were looking for a Messiah, and the Bible tells us they did not understand who he was and they did not receive him. We find ourselves in John chapter 3, but in John chapter 2, um, you find Jesus cleansing the temple. And as Christ is talking to them, they want a sign to prove who he is. And he says, if you tear down this temple in three days, I'll raise it back up. And those that were there were confused. And they said, we've been building this temple for 46 years and we're not even finished yet. And you say you'll build it in, in three days. And the Bible says they missed, he, they missed the point. They didn't understand what Christ was trying to, to say to them. You go to John chapter 3 and you find the story of of Nicodemus. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. And, and Nicodemus responds to him, to the Lord, how is this possible? Can I go back to the womb and, and be born again? And we see again, Nicodemus missed the point. He misunderstood what Jesus was trying to teach him regarding spiritual or eternal life. You go over to John chapter 4 and you find Jesus and the woman at the well. And he says to her, if you understood who I was, you'd be asking me to give you drink and I would give you that water that would cause you to never thirst again, that living water. And she looks at Jesus and says, how is this so? You don't even have a bucket to, and the well is very deep. How would you get water to give me to, to drink? And we understand that in those situations, those people are unbelievers. Those are not followers of the Lord at that time. And so it would be easy to see how they would not understand what Christ was trying to teach them. But if you continue on in John chapter 4 and verse 31, Jesus is there with the woman and his disciples come back to him. And, and the woman leaves and those that went into the city to get food said to him, Rabbi, eat. 
And Jesus says, I have meat that you don't know, you don't know of, and, and I have food. And they begin to look at each other because they don't understand. And they begin to ask each other, did, did you give him something? Did, who, who gave him something to eat? And Jesus tells them that my meat is to do the Father's will. And, and so even those that were close to Jesus did not understand what was right in front of them. They missed the point that Christ was trying to make. Oftentimes, we don't see what's right in front of us. I have a seven-year-old daughter. Her name is Kaylee, and, and I love Kaylee to death. And every morning, um, my wife gets up, and she works. And so she gets up, and she has to be to work before I do. And so I have the wonderful privilege each morning to spend time with my three children. And, um, and so um, we'll get breakfast, and we'll you know, talk about the things of the day and the Lord and those type of things. And, and inevitably, we'll come to the time where it's time to go, and nobody's ready to go. And so my kids are rushing. I have a 16-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 7-year-old daughter. And I'll yell to Kaylee, Kaylee, you need to get your shoes on. And she'll say, I don't know where they are. And I'll say, well, they're right where you put them, right in front of the door. And then she'll yell back, I don't see them. And this is no lie. I will walk down from upstairs, and she will have her iPad in her hand, standing in front of her shoes, and she will say, I don't see them, as she's looking on her iPad, playing or doing whatever she's doing. You know, a lot of times in life, we get distracted. And we miss the things that God is trying to do in, in our life. And we've seen that in this passage, people that missed the point that Jesus was trying to, to show them and to teach them. And one of the major issues, even in our lives as believers, is our focus can be on the wrong things. We, we become so focused on earthly things that we miss the spiritual truths that God is trying to show us in our life. Maybe it's our pride. Maybe it's our busy schedules. Maybe we're trying to accomplish something in life, but we're so focused on the here and now, we miss what God wants to do in our life. But in the middle of John 2 and John 4, we find John chapter 3. And in the middle of those that miss the point at the, in chapter 2 and, and even Nicodemus and then those in chapter 4, we find the story of John the Baptist. Now, in John chapter 3 and verse 22... The Bible tells us after these things, after these things, Jesus is talking about the earthly ministry has begun. He's cleansed the temple. He's performed miracles. And he's now had this conversation with Nicodemus, this wonderful conversation where he talks about eternal life. And after these things, Jesus and his disciples go into Judea. And we see that Jesus and his followers are ministering and John the Baptist and his followers are ministering. And John's disciples come to John and they say, hey, the one that you've been talking about, this rabbi, the one that you were ministering about and that you told us about, his followers are baptizing more than your followers. Look with me in verse 22. After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Anon and near to Salim because there was much water there and they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and notice what he says, they say there, and all men come, all men come to him. 
I want you to see there that, you know, oftentimes jealousy and pride and selfish desires cause us to, to maybe exaggerate a little bit. The Bible tells us that John's disciples are baptizing, Jesus' disciples are baptizing, but it wasn't enough for John's disciples. So what do they do? They come to, Jesus, to John and they say, everybody's going to them. Everybody's leaving us and, and we're having no impact and they're, they're all going to, to him. But I want you to notice here that John's response was not what they expected it to be. John's focus was not on his kingdom, his ministry, him being promoted, him gathering a following, but John's ministry was focused on Jesus. And today I want to talk about and see some truths from John's response here on how we can stay focused on Jesus. You say, well, hey, we're in Bible college. Hey, listen, I sat right where you're sitting today. It's easy to lose focus and lose sight. It's easy to look at other ministries and see what they're accomplishing and what they're doing. And it's easy to want something more than what God is wanting to give us and, or wanting to get outside of what God has called us to do and, and, and maybe lose sight of the fact that Jesus is the focus of our ministry and he's why we're here and, and, and we lose sight of that truth. And so as John is approached and challenged by his disciples, he responds to them beginning in verse number 27. And I think when we look at these truths in John's life that, he's, that we see here, that they'll help us, and I hope they're a help to you today. Number one, John realized that his opportunities came from God. Look at verse 27. He says, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. John had realized that his ministry was from, from God. And so John's response to them basically is, hey guys, what's, what's the problem? Jesus is the one that I came to promote, and I can only do what God has called me to do. You know, I learned a long time ago that I don't have the gifts that somebody else has. I mentioned the singing, and, and you know, I'm so grateful that when I got saved, God gave me spiritual gifts. And I, I'm just thrilled to be able to use them in ministry. And there's nothing like serving the Lord. And, and um, you know, but sometimes we can get so distracted what we're not able to do that we lose sight of what God has given us to do and the abilities that we have and the gifts that we have. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a great singer. Um, my gifts are in teaching and, and administration. That's, that's where my strengths lie. And, and I know that. Um, would I love to, to be the, the singer and the song leader? I would. I, I love to, to be in great um, times of worship through music and, and hear the people sing. I love sitting in our congregation. And sometimes I'll just sit there without singing, just listening to the congregation sing. And, and God just thrills my soul with that. I love that. Uh, you know, some, some people have other gifts that I don't have. And, and I'm grateful to serve alongside of them. But, you know, we oftentimes think more about what we don't have than what we do have. And so that causes us not to accomplish the things that God wants us to accomplish in our life. And I learned I need to be satisfied with who I am and I need to be satisfied with what God has called me to do. You know, the world might not think that my role is important or that my position is, is important. But the truth is, is that God has called me to be the pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Anderson, Indiana. And God has given me the people in my life that I'm to, to minister to and, and to serve. And God has given me the family that I have in my life and the friends and, and the relationships and the opportunities. And I'm so grateful for them. And so I need to be faithful 
where God has called me to and in what God has called me to do. I love 1 Corinthians 4, 7 when Paul basically tells us that we are who we are and we have what we have because of God. And that's where John was basically saying. He said, listen, I understand who I am. I'm not... I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the one that should be focused on, but Jesus is. And the opportunity that I have to serve him comes from God, and I'm so grateful for that. Number two, his second response is he recognized recognized his purpose. He realized that the opportunity even to proclaim Jesus and point people to Jesus came from God. His opportunities came from God, but he recognized his purpose. Verse 28 Ye yourselves bear witness, me, that I said, I am not the Christ, but I am sent before him. John basically tells them, I am not God. I have been called to glorify him, and I have been called to point people to Christ. That's why I have been sent. And the same is true for us in our life today. 1 Corinthians tells us whether whether, therefore we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, do all to the glory of God. Mark 16 tells us to go preach the gospel to every creature. That's our focus in ministry ministry today. We we have people in life that say, I I, want to be a minister of God and I'm a person of faith. um, But we want to set the parameters for God of what my ministry is going going to look like. And maybe somebody here today is going to be called to be a, a, a pastor of a small church and, and have to take a job and be what we call bivocational. Maybe somebody here today, God's going to call to, to, to a, a small village in some foreign country. Maybe God's going to call you to pastor a church of, of thousands of people. And, and whatever it might be, we need to be satisfied with what God has called us to do, recognizing our purpose, whether it's in a large ministry or a small ministry in the United States or somewhere else, our purpose is to glorify God and point people to Christ. So many ministers have missed that today. So many men and women are not in ministry any longer because they lost sight of of their purpose. Their desire was to build their name, to be popular, to build their their kingdom instead of the the kingdom of God. But as John is approached by his uh, followers there, he. They say, listen, everybody's going to him. And, and John's response is, that's great. That's why I'm here, to, to point all them, to point all them to him. You know, it, it's not necessarily difficult to build a church today from a human perspective. We, we see it all over. People are coming up with different programs and, and writing different books and, and doing different things um, pragmatically to, to bring people in. And, and, and I'm all for programs and, and ministries and different things to, to get people in for the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In our church um, a few years ago, uh, I met a, a group of individuals from our community, and, and uh, one time I was at breakfast with them, and, and they, um, they all sat on the board for an organization called the Fire Rescue House of Madison County. That's the county that we live in. And uh, we were at breakfast, and one of the, the guys said, hey, uh, we all serve on this board, and um, we don't want to do it anymore. And we thought, we thought about you, and would you like to take over this board and run the Fire Rescue House of Madison County? And I looked at him and I said, hey, we would love to take over this opportunity and have this as a ministry of our church, uh, but everybody on the board would have to resign from it. 
And um, because our purpose is not to house people at Grace Baptist Church. Our, our purpose isn't to, to feed people. Our purpose is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to reach people with, with the gospel. And I can't have anybody on that board that is going to try to hinder that work. And uh, we don't want to get distracted and uh, be a part of something that's not going to give us the opportunity of sharing our faith and sharing the gospel uh, with people here in our community. There was one lady that was on that board and uh, she didn't want to resign. And so they came back to me and they, they just asked, hey, can she stay on the board? And I just said, hey, listen, if she wants to keep it, she can stay on the board and create, you know, continue to run it, bring other people on the board. And they came back to me the next week and said she, she agreed to resign and step down. And so we've taken on that ministry. Um, we, you know, when people call us and they need housing, the first thing they have to do is come to our church and sit down with a counselor that's going to share the gospel with them. Because that's the priority of our ministry. That's, that's our purpose as a church. And it's, it's to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's not to, to build our kingdom and to make our church bigger, but it's to see people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And John came to the place in his ministry, in his life, that he recognized that he was there to point people to Jesus Christ and to share, share the gospel of Christ. You know, when we come to understand our purpose in life, that kind of gives us some energy in, in life, doesn't it? It kind of gives us some, some boldness, if I would. You know, a lot of Christians, um, I don't think, have come to the place where they understand uh, their responsibility to reach people with the gospel. Um, or if they did, it would be a priority in their life, and they would be out there preaching the gospel. You know, sometimes we, um, we kind of, you know, give excuses why we're not sharing our faith, and we're concerned about what people might think of us or whatever, and, but we lost sight of the priority and our responsibility as Christians, as believers in Christ, to preach the gospel to others and to lead them to Jesus Christ. And John did not lose sight of that in his ministry. He recognized that his purpose was to point people to Christ. Number three, he rejoiced in the edification of Jesus. He rejoiced in the edification of Christ. Look at verse 29. He says, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is Fulfilled. We have a simple illustration that John gives his followers uh, to make his point, and it's the situation of, of a wedding. Basically, John is telling them, listen, as the best man, I am not the groom. The wedding is not about me, but it is about the bride and the groom. And he says, as the best man, I find joy in my friend's happiness, in my friend being um, edified in that situation. And so we see an intimation to the church and the relationship with Christ as the groom and the church as, as the bride. But John says, my job here is not to upstage the, the groom. My job is not to upstage Jesus, but as he is promoted and as, as he is the center of attention and as he is edified and honored, then I find joy. I find joy in that. I've had the opportunity in life to play a lot of team sports and, and even individual sports. And um, man, there's nothing quite like it when you're, you know, hit a big shot in a game or make a touchdown or score a soccer goal in a critical moment and then the fans just go wild. 
And, uh, you know, you see these college teams these days and, and uh, you know, everybody wants to rush the fields these days. And, um, and every, every time somebody's team wins over somebody that's better than them, they, they rush the field and, and the, the players are in the camera and they want to say, look what I did. And, and they get so exhilarated about their, what they did and their, and their performance in life. It's easy in our flesh to want to be the center of attention and find joy when we're promoted and we get the accolades and, and we get the attention from other people. And so many have lost sight as believers, as ministers of the gospel of Christ when people start patting them on the back. You know, as a pastor, and if you've been in ministry for any length of time, um, nobody's ever told me I preached a bad sermon. Have you ever had somebody come out to you and say, that was just a terrible sermon? Every little old lady, every person that walks by me in, in our lobby, hey, pastor, that was a great message. And I'm sitting there thinking, that was terrible. All right? I know it was terrible, but I appreciate you uh, saying that. Because I just assume if they walk by and don't say anything, then it was bad. Right? The ones that normally tell me it was great, they just walk by and say, We're, don't make eye contact. We don't want to say anything to them because that was a, just a, a terrible sermon today. Um, but nobody's ever come. Man, it's, you get in the lobby and everybody comes by and tells you how great you are and what a wonderful job you know you did and those type of things. And, you know, I am a good preacher. I'm pretty awesome. And uh, then I come out here and listen to people preach and I think, man, I'm terrible compared to these guys out here. Um, and so let's keep things in perspective or whatever. But when people start patting you on the back and tell you how great you are, um, sometimes you buy into that. My greatest cheerleader in life is my mother. She will tell you I am the best preacher she's ever heard in her life. I have a brother that's passed away from leukemia a couple years ago, and he was a lot better preacher than I am. Um, and uh, today, since he's not here, she'll tell me I'm the best preacher in the world. And, um, and so my nephew, a few years ago, my mom told him that she was, he was the best vocalist she had ever heard. And he got proud of that. And he was talking to his dad. This was before his dad passed away. And, and I remember his, he said, well, I'm the, I'm the best vocalist in our church. And uh, my brother responded in the only way that a dad could uh, in that moment and uh, let him know that how terrible he was as his son and uh, as a singer uh, compared to other people. But listen, a grandmother, she's going to tell you how great you are. And it's easy to buy into that. We need to find our joy in life when Jesus is promoted and Jesus is edified and people are receiving Christ as their Savior. And that's what John basically tells his disciples. Guys, my joy is found when people find Jesus. When these people are going to Christ, hey, praise the Lord. I was sent to be the forerunner and to point people to him. And so John rejoiced in the edification of Jesus. Number four, number four, he was committed then to exalting Christ, because that brought him joy in life. That brought him his joy and fulfillment in life, so he committed himself to that. Verse number 30, it says, He must increase, but I must decrease. It was Warren Wearsby that observed the three musts here in the Gospel of John in chapter number 3. He said, There's the must of the sinner. You must be born again. There's the must of the son. I must be lifted up. And then there's the must of the servant. When John says, he must increase, but I must decrease. And this is the purpose in John's life. It's not about me, but it's about Jesus. In order to live a life of humility, and in order to live a life that is honoring to God, Christ must be 
first. Think about it. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are saved because of what Christ did on the cross. The only response for those of us that, as we sang just a few moments ago, that are sinners saved by grace is to lift up the cross and to lift up Jesus and to share Christ with the world. Commit to exalting Jesus in your life. And that's what John was able to do. And then number five, submit to the authority of Jesus. Submit to the authority of Jesus. In verse 31, he says, He that cometh from above is above all. And so John basically says, He is from heaven. He is the authority. He is God. He goes on to say, He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. And he that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth. And no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You see, the issue here in between John's disciples and Jesus' disciples and Jesus himself was an authority issue. We see something very similar in 1 Corinthians when the people in the church were saying, I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos and, and I'm of Christ. And, and Paul says, guys, you are way off base. It's not about me. It's not about Peter. It's not about Apollos. It's not about any of us. It's about Christ. He is the Son of God. He is the authority. He is the one that we preach. He's the one that came to, to give his life a ransom. He's the one that came to seek and to save the lost. He is the one I serve. And that's what John is saying. Christ is the authority. He came down from heaven. And he's the one that I serve. Everything belongs to him. He's the creator. He's the savior. Everything that I have, every, all my abilities belong in, to him and come from him. But I don't want you to miss verse 36. John says, Jesus came. And don't you know the father loves the son? And the Father loves the Son, but He loves you and He loves me. He loves the world that He sent His Son to die on the cross to be the payment for our sin. And then in verse 36, He says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Understand, people that come to Grace Baptist Church don't get saved because they come to Grace Baptist Church. People that become my friends... They don't become believers and have eternal life because they know Daniel Stevens and because they have a relationship with, with me. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Right. He that believeth not is condemned. He's condemned already because he hasn't believed. You see, the issue is, is who Jesus is. Can I remind you today that Jesus is the Son of God, that the Savior of the world, that brought eternal life to a lost and condemned world. And there's only eternal life through Him. And so John is responding to his disciples who are upset about Jesus and the ministry of, of Jesus' followers. And John says, guys, you've missed the whole point. My life is about serving God and about serving Jesus and promoting Him because only through Jesus will people get eternal life. Only through Him will they receive eternal life. Hey, listen, you can be the most charismatic person in this room. You can have great wealth. You can be a great athlete. 
None of that matters when it comes to eternal life. You could have great influence on people in this world today and, and encourage people in their life, but none of that matters if they don't receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so John is re reiterating this to his disciples. Hey guys, we have to understand who it is that we're serving, who it is that we're pointing people to. It's not about us, but it's about Christ. Because only in Christ will people receive eternal life. Today, I know you're at Bible college. I know most of you want to be in the ministry. But many people have been right where you are and they've lost focus. They've become selfish, inward focused. They become bitter over tragedies in life and circumstances that they go through. And they get so consumed about what's happening right in front of them. And the material things and the earthly things that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, they lose sight of what God has, is doing in their life. And they lose sight of what God is trying to teach them. And unfortunately, they lose sight of what God has called them to do. Many times, Jesus' disciples had the opportunity to sit down with him. And Jesus gave them instructions. And he says, guys, you don't know and you don't understand. My meat is to do the Father's will. He tells them, look into the field. The fields are widened to harvest. We, we have work to do, and there's a need to bring people to me. And here, these are guys that they watched Jesus do miracles, and they saw him minister to people. They saw his compassion and his grace and his mercy on a day-to-day -day basis. And even in, in having the privilege of walking with Christ for these Three years or so, they still oftentimes miss the point. So don't come to the place where you think, hey, listen, I'm going I'm to be a great servant of God. None of this is going to happen to me. I'm going to stay faithful all the days of my life and serve God. Be careful, lest we fall. So today, make Jesus the focus of your life. Make sharing the gospel a priority of your life. And tomorrow when you get up, you're going to have other responsibilities and other duties. You have to go to class. We've heard that this morning. But make Christ the focus of your life. Share the gospel. I ask our, our church once a month, I, ask, I remind them, each day when you get up and pray, pray that I have the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. I tell them to pray for themselves, but I ask them to pray that their pastor has an opportunity to share the gospel and pray that I will never lose sight of the fact that Jesus is the focus of my ministry. He's the focus of my life because it's easy to do. We get busy with schedules and family responsibilities and life happens. And next thing you know, we go days, weeks, maybe even years and we examine our life and we realize everything has been about me. Everything has been about what I want to accomplish or what I want to do instead of glorifying God and bringing people to Christ. 
in the middle of all these people that just lost sight, unbelievers who didn't understand what Christ was trying to do, even the followers that walked with Christ who didn't understand what Christ was trying to teach, here we find John the Baptist. And he says, guys, I got it. This is my purpose in life. I hope today that you've got it, what God has called you to do and what your priority in life should be 